Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, Charlotte Hornets fans? Thank you for tuning in to Believe in the Hornets podcast on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Darian Thomas, a.k.a. Trust the Buzz. And today we got some exciting stuff going on on the podcast. So first thing we're going to talk about is Nick Richards and Nick Richards extension. I've seen some people be happy about it. I've seen people be be upset about it. Um, And then next, we're going to finally just wrap up, wrap up the podcast by talking about guys you should look for in the Sweet 16 throughout this whole NCAA tournament. I'm going to provide you with some possible draft prospects that the Charlotte Hornets could look at at any of their picks. I'll make sure I, you know, tell you which picks are where these players could possibly be, but for the most part, it's going to be in the later rounds. I don't think anyone from that could possibly be in the top four is in the tournament right now, but we have to go back and see. I have to make sure. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Nick Richards extension. So last night, it was reported by... Uh, was it Woj? I don't remember. I don't remember who was first because between him, Shams, it, it's just hard to tell who's always first. But I think it was Woj this time. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets have agreed to a three-year extension, $15 million overall, which breaks it down to $5 million a year with their backup center, Nick Richards. And personally, I think this is a good move. I can see why people would say that it's not a good move. I know at the beginning of the season, I wasn't too sold on Nick Richards. I thought he was a little soft, but he's played a lot better this season, even when his time has fluctuated, even when he's gone from starting center to backup center to tertiary center to backup center again to starting center again. He still continues to play the consistent game. I think he still has a long way to go, but similar to what I've said before about Jalen McDaniels, if you watch the YouTube channel, uh, trust the buzz on on YouTube, but um, if you watch the YouTube channel, you've seen where I said, with Jalen McDaniels. Yes, it's late, quote unquote, in his career to make a jump like that and to be like, oh, this is who who he's going to be or does he get any better? You're willing to take that risk. Some people are late bloomers. You're not expecting these guys to jump up and be all stars, but can they help your team? And I think re-signing Nick Richards for the next three years definitely helps your team. Mark Williams will still be under his rookie deal, if I'm not mistaken. So Nick Richards comes off the books just in time for if him, if he's out playing that deal, for him to make his money and with somewhere else and for Mark Williams to get his extension, his rookie extension, because um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be big time money if Mark Williams continue to play playing the way he is playing. So this year so far, Nick Richards has averaged uh, 7.9.6.1 rebounds and a block a game in 18 minutes. I think that is incredible for a backup center, especially considering, like I said, at points in the season, he was a tertiary center. So for him to appear, do be able to provide this, I think, is very helpful. I mean, we've won games with him, with Mark Richards. Uh, <laughs> I mixed it up, the names. We won games with uh, him at center with Mark Williams out. The defense has taken a hit, but, I mean, they're not the same center. They're the same build of center. They're not the same center. That's another reason why I like it. I'm not a fan of just 
certain positions, the center is one of them. I'm not a fan of getting a guy that completely different from your starter. I don't think that that helps too much when you got someone that's just completely different that can't do anything that your starting center does. I think it, you know, unless you now unless you have it backed up another way. So, for example, if you let's say we had Mark Williams and then a shooting center, I can't think of a shooting center right now, top of my head, that would be a backup. But let's say you have Mark Williams starting and then you have a shooting center that can't defend the paint at all. It just, it just wouldn't make sense, especially with this team. But if he could shoot and defend the paint, then we're, we're good to go. So I'm glad that these, both these guys are excellent rebounders, good shot blockers, and are pretty good at a turn from the rim. We'll get into the advanced analytics, uh, to talk about that because I'm an advanced analytics person. I'm an eye test person. I guess actually is the best way to say it, but. To back up what I saw, I like to look at advanced analytics. I'm not pick one or the other. I try to use them together. But I mean, let me know what you think about the Mark. Uh, I almost said Mark Richards again, but let me know what you think about the Nick Richards deal. I think this is a good one. I think despite coaching changes that could happen, front office changes that could happen, ownership changes that could happen, players that could happen, uh, changes that could happen. I think this is a good tradable deal. If Time comes in and you trade him. I think that he can be a good backup throughout the entirety of that um, contract. And I also think that he's really going to help this team. I think having a center that can do what Nick Richards does at 25 years old, I think is is just going to help this team tremendously. Pretty sure it's going to put the Hornets out of the center market for a while. Hopefully, um, you're hoping Kai Jones could be that tertiary center and also a, a forward at the same time. You're hoping that his game evolves into that. Um, but I mean, at worst case scenario, PJ can be that tertiary center, which you wouldn't. That's the point of a tertiary center is that they rarely play center. But when injuries and stuff happen, you need someone back there. And I'm and I'm pretty sure like they're I'm pretty sure game plan one is to get Kai Jones where he needs to be so he can be in that position. But like I said, if worst comes to worst, there's no problem with putting PJ there. PJ has been our secondary center before, so not mad at that at all. I think a lot of this comes with this upcoming draft class, despite all the picks that the Charlotte Hornets have to get it right. This is not a very center heavy draft class. It's a lot, a lot of wings, maybe a couple of like true guards, but it's a lot of wings. And I don't think that the Hornets were going to find a good tertiary center uh, in this draft class. And the guys like that are like you could have the Khalil Wares of the world from Oregon. You could have uh, Derek Lively from Duke, but they're more secondary to starting type centers. At least that's like what they project to be. You would more than likely have to use a first round pick to get them. So then we know that how that comes down the line when it comes time to extensions and things like that. It would have been cheaper than this Nick Richards deal, but that's something you would have to deal with later. As opposed to this, this comes off your books. And I'm, I mean, if you end up paying Nick Richards more than five million a year at the end of this contract, what is it, 10? And by then, the, the salary caps, uh, the, hopefully the team's in a better position. We may have an owner that is willing to pay to keep good guys. And even if it's over the luxury tax, and as long as we're going through something positive, I mean, obviously, I think the team would have to be in the playoffs for the new owners to want to pay the luxury tax. But still, I think we can do that with Nick Richards. So just with a lot of uncertainty coming up, 
the backup center market isn't looking too great. You're getting him on an ex- I mean, extremely cheap deal. I, there's nothing wrong with this. I, I really like this pickup. Um, it's better than, than signing Rashawn Holmes, who I actually was a fan of. Uh, but, I mean, you're getting Nick Richards for a steal here, and he's an excellent player. So let's go ahead and get into the advanced statistics. So um, all of these advanced statistics come from B-Ball Index. Shout out to B-Ball Index. If you don't know, they're a, plat- they're a payment platform month to month. Uh, I think it's like $5 a month or something like that. And it just gives you excellent advanced analytics basically they do a good job they it's in a spreadsheet and it just all looks all nice and it's all organized and i'm a big spreadsheet person even outside of uh sports well i'm a, just a math person in general so seeing all these numbers and percentages and stuff it, it just gets just gets me going so i'm just glad that to, to have this uh subscription but anyway let's talk about what nick richards does well and one of the main things he does well, if you go on B-Ball Index, you'll see that his ability to roll to the basket in the pick and roll is some of the top in the league. They say that's his best skill, which I'm not mad at. I think offense is more his thing, even though he has been a good rim deter um, on defense. I think, you know, picking the pick and roll is where he really where he really shines. And I mean, like I said, his top talent, according to B-Ball Index, is roll gravity. And it says the ability to bend the defense through scoring and screening ability as the big in a ball screen situation. That's exactly what he does. He's really good at that. I think the screens he can set, he set some hard screens. I think that's going to be good for any point guard. I mean, you could LaMelo, Dennis Smith Jr., whatever rookie we may get, Terry Rozier, Bryce McCann, anybody. I think Nick Richards is capable of setting a screen and getting to the basket. He's in the 97th percentile when when he drives um, and gets and gets a foul called. So that's that's 25% of the time, basically, is in at least puts him in a 97th percentile, which is one of the highest in the league, of course, that that's something good. That's something we've seen Nick Richards do time and time again, that people just have to foul him at that point because he is so aggressive when uh, rolling to the basket. And then also his contact finish rate is in the 94th percentile. Obviously, like I said, top tier in the league, finishing 40, basically 42% of the time, 41.5% of the time, he's able to finish through contact. That's something else we need desperately. I don't care from what position, but this team is very paint contact averse and Nick Richards is, is not that. So I think he he sets the tempo uh for that effort with his with his ability because we know that's what he does. And total shots at the rim. I mean of course that's gonna be how he's the center. He doesn't shoot. I think that's fine. I think that just him being a paint presence is what we need because we don't have one. And I know the NBA's changing. I know you see more and more teams have their guys shoot but as of right now, the way this team is constructed, we have guys who can shoot. Everybody else except them two have some kind of ability to shoot. And even Mark Williams, we see him, you know, play with the idea sometimes. We've seen him actually be pretty efficient in the mid-range with a mid-range pull-up from time to time. So, Nick, I mean, if you really want to get technical, Nick Ridges is the only one on the team who really can't shoot, which is perfect. I'm perfectly fine with it. The way the offense flows, the way we desperately need someone to hold down the paint, be able to be efficient and pick and roll. 
I mean, I'm not willing to risk that just for some extra shooting. Like I said, when we already have shooters and really I would like to improve the shooting from our guards and wings before I'm looking to improve the shooting with our centers. And also, this isn't a long term deal. If we really want to get technical about it, three years. I mean, the Hornets can, like I said, easily trade it or find somebody else in three years or maybe even less than that. So that's something you have to think about. As well, I know it's not like the stats or anything, but the contract length also just plays a good part in this because if this doesn't work, the Hornets aren't stuck. Nick Richards is a good player. He just may not be good for whatever system we adopt or whatever whatever we're doing at the time. That doesn't mean that he won't have value, especially at that at that uh, salary for sure. So it's something you have to bring up, even though we're talking about his actual statistics here. Another key thing he is really good at that his team desperately needs is offensive rebound. He, if you can, I wish you could see this because he is one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. I mean, I'm I'm going down the list and it's 99th percentile, 98th percentile, 98th percentile. He has two things that are uh, 75 percentile and that's offensive rebound crashing skill. I'm not exactly sure what that even means. They have some stuff in here. This one doesn't have a definition, but then a contested offensive rebound. He does not basically rebound well battling against another defender, which I mean, usually it's people surrounding them anyway. So, I mean, not everybody's even going to be high, but I'm not mad at it at all. I mean, it's 66 percentile, so he's it's still over 50 percent. Like I said, 75 percentile. But I also think that some of that is our team doesn't crash the glass as a whole in offensive rebound or more of a free flowing team. So guys are getting back on defense. I mean, and it's not the end of the world, but it is nice to have someone that is able to get those offensive rebounds. And like I said, Nick Richards is one of the best of the best. Uh, his uh, positioning. Uh, one of the best. He's he's basically is just saying how close is he able to get to the basket, and he's in the ninety second percentile. That means he's usually pretty close when the ball goes up. He's not you know trickling in from the three or whatever trying to get an offensive rebound. He's usually down there under the rim, and then he's in the ninety ninth percentile uh, for putbacks per seventy five possessions, which is really good because I mean sometimes there's no need to kick it out, especially considered with this team where. I mean, it might just be another ill-advised shot, so it's good to have someone that is able to go back up and put the ball in the basket. That's something I actually was concerned about him coming into this season because at times I've said before, he does look a little soft, just a little timid. Mark Williams did too uh, in summer league, but I mean, obviously Nick Richards has proven that he's gotten a lot tougher in my opinion. His defensive rebounders are kind of so-so. I mean, he has some stuff like he's able to get good positioning based on the percentile. Um, he he gets a he gets a decent amount of rebounds per seventy-five possessions, which is fine. But I mean, our team is a rebounding team. They they rebound as a whole. They gain rebounds, so I'm not really too concerned about that. We need someone to get the tough rebounds, and I do feel like a little bit Nick Richards struggles with that. But I will say that uh, some of that is, and I feel like I'm like really defending Nick Richards here, and it's crazy because like I said getting into the season I didn't want him on the team I feel like as a whole our team needs to do better at boxing out because I mean Nick Richards Mark Williams whoever you want will have someone two sometimes two people boxed out but still Terry Rozier lets his guy run by and get the rebound and then it's hard to defend that as a center you already have two people on your back and then some third guy comes out of nowhere so as a whole I think the team needs to do better at boxing out and I think that would help these defensive rebound numbers but also you got to think about it when he starts and he's able to play like he usually gets a lot of rebound he just had like 17 rebounds the other day so 
I think that uh, this, these numbers are a little miscued. I mean, even though it says per 75 possessions, but still, I, I think he's a better rebounder than what it indicates. I think a lot of it just has to do with his minutes. And then lastly, I want to talk about his interior defense because that's something where we've seen him get five blocks. And still, to me, he's more of a stat defender where you look, you're like, oh, Nick Richards had five blocks. But you miss the parts where... You know, he just lets like the smaller guy bully him or or just lets the smaller guy kind of lose him in the paint after just doing like a simple euro or something like that. That's something that does get forgotten about. But once again, he's improving. He, I mean, he just made a dramatic improvement uh, from last year to this year. I'm not expecting the same type of improvement from this year to next year. However, I am expecting some kind of improvement. And that's something I would definitely want him to improve on is be more of a rim deterred than just blocking shot because I mean his block numbers are fine like his his block numbers 85th percentile uh with blocks he has 1.4 blocks per 75 possessions he has 7.3 uh rim contests per 75 possession which is good 85th percentile 84th percentile however I just think it could be better I mean the grade for it is a minus that shows you uh, how you know good that is compared to the rest of the league. These aren't just this is what it should be, and this is where his is. This is based on the top guys in the NBA at it, and then where does Nick Richards' numbers compare to that? And it, I mean, it's good. It it just could be better, especially considering right now we only have two rim protectors, and still I'm glad we have the two rim protectors. I'm glad they're both you know good at what they do, better than what we've had in the past. My concern is that as of right now, the team still doesn't defend that well from the from the perimeter. And so you are Nick Richards, our last line of defense. That That's kind of what I'm saying there. Uh, so I just would like for that to get better. It, I mean, it's going to take time. But I'm not beating him up over it. That's just if I had to pick something for him to improve on going into next year, it would be that. And I'm pretty sure he will. He, gave, he never gave up. I mean, he's 25 years old, was picked in the 2020 draft. He never gave up. He continued improving. And look where he is now. All right. So next, I would like to talk about because we're we're off the Nick Richards stuff. I, I think that I did a decent job of covering Nick Richards. If you have any questions or you want to sound off, then let me know. Uh, I need to find a way. Just just add me on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at TrustBuzz T R U Z Z B U Z Z, and we can talk Hornets there. That, like that's what I love to do. I love talking basketball. So just feel free to hit me up. Anytime and we can we can talk about it and just let me know what you think about the episodes and let me know what you think about this Nick Richards deal and things like that, because I'm always trying to provide very quality content for you and the Believe Network. Obviously, I wouldn't want to be on here if I couldn't provide the best quality of content. So just let me know what I could do better on my end. So. Like I said, we're done with the Nick Richards talk. Let's move in because I really want to talk about this, especially today, especially before we run out of time, because I've been talking for a long time about Nick Richards. That's probably the longest I've ever talked about Nick Richards. So I'll try to make this fast because I don't want to hold up anybody's time. Um, But let's talk about the potential draft prospects in the uh, NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16. And I'm going to go game by game. I'm going to go from the first game today to the last game till tomorrow. So, like I said, go to go game by game and then just let you know just one or two guys that I would say keep your eye on as we watch these games. So, first game, Michigan State, Kansas State. 
there's really no one I would keep my eyes on right here. There's no one that I, maybe Keontae Johnson from Kansas State, a forward that can score. That's pretty, I wouldn't say quick, but agile, shifty, crafty. Maybe those words are a little better. Is that the same thing as quick? I don't know, but it depends who you're talking to, I guess. But I think Keontae Johnson is a good scorer. He's shifty. I He's more of a second-round pick, so it definitely would be a second-rounder that had the Hornets use. But overall, I just don't think so. I don't think we need him necessarily, especially with if I'm going for need. Because at this point, the only sure things we have that we know will be part of what any type of success that we have as a team is LaMelo and Mark Williams. And that's not enough. You would like someone that can do a little more. And so I don't think Keontae Johnson could be it. Next, we move on to the 7-15 game with Arkansas and UConn. This is draft prospect central here. I mean, UConn has... Uh, UConn has, what is it, Jordan Hawkins. I, I always get him and Julian Strother mixed up for whatever reason. But Jordan Hawkins, I think, is a really good combo guard. Uh, he can catch and shoot. I think that's one of his better attributes. And obviously, that's going to work well. Melo, he has the tools uh, to be a good defender. He has the tools to be paired alongside the Melo. Him and him and Melo can just be a pretty good backcourt, in my opinion. Uh, he's not too small like Terry Rozier. He's a little more I mean, it's not that he doesn't take crazy shots because, I mean, who doesn't in college, especially when you're the best player? But he's a, he's a little more formulaic with his offensive approach. Um, and like I say, he can catch and shoot. He's pretty reliable. He's not taking moving threes all the time, and he can get to the basket. I mean, Terry Rozier can get to the basket, but he's a little small. Um, Jordan Hawkins is bigger. However, I could see Jordan Hawkins going before our Nuggets pick, so that's where it could get dangerous, especially if they win this game and he has a great game. It's going to be really difficult. Arkansas, I mean, you can name everybody here. Uh, I'll start off with my favorite, Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh is a guy who, who's, who's been seen as a second-round pick because he doesn't have much offensive ability. At least he hasn't shown it yet. Um, in college, that is. Because in high school, he was just very like dominant. He was in a dunker spot. He was running the floor. He was a, a good slasher. A decent three-point shooter this year in college at Arkansas. One, the whole team can't shoot, so I wouldn't really necessarily hold it against them. But he's not that good of a shooter. But he, I mean, he still can bully. And then his his best attribute attribute to me is his defense. He plays such amazing defense on anybody. Uh, bigger players, quicker players, smaller players. It doesn't matter. I think Jordan Walsh is a really good defender. And I've seen, who was it? Raphael Barlow said so he talked to a scout who mentioned that. Jordan Hawkins, If I mean, Jordan Walsh, if he continues doing what he's been doing this tournament, and that's just playing excellent defense and just coming up big when the team really needs him, he could fight him his way into the first round if so i could see us picking him with the 27th pick this is a guy who literally is there for defense and i we don't have anybody for that right now i mean pj's kind of that and we just hope he shoots a little more but jordan walls i think would be a great pickup for this team i would prefer it in the second round because it would just really be a steal 
but late first, I'm not mad at it, especially that's what the price is calling for. I've talked enough about Jordan Walsh. Let's talk about uh, Nick Smith Jr., who actually was benched, I believe, in their game against Kansas because he missed a def- defensive assignment. Eric Eric Musil doesn't play that. Uh, he wants all his guys to get effort. And it was I guess it just was effort. It was really just a blunder. But Nick Smith Jr. is a great guy uh, who you could also pair next to LaMelo. He's not the perfect fit because he plays well off ball, but he's a little sporadic. I'm going to take that risk. I'm going to take that risk. I think he has the talent. He's just been injured this year, so you really haven't been able to see it. You really haven't been able to see him in all the situations you would want to see him in as a college basketball player because you only get one year to look at these guys, especially him considering well, considering he missed majority of the year with injury, but he looked good. I mean, he would have be injured and come back and drop 20. So it's something interesting about him that I would say look out for, especially during, when it comes down to the draft process. He would be someone that the Hornets, I would wouldn't take four if the Hornets get four. I wouldn't take probably six up. I wouldn't take him. I would take some other players. But seven, eight, because considering the Hornets can fall down there, I would I would consider it. There's other guys on here, like his teammate Anthony Black. You could you would think about, uh, but it just depends on what the price is for those guys right now. Right then, like I said, Anthony Black, his teammate, uh, I think he's a great guard. Uh, that can play next to LaMelo. I know I keep saying that, but that's very important. We need to pair LaMelo and Mark Williams with suitable pieces for both of them. If they're going to be our one-two, and I'm not saying Mark Williams is going go, going to go on and average 20 and 10. And I'm not saying any of that. I don't think the Hornets necessarily need him to, but you just right now, those are your sure things. Um, and so you, I think you need to accommodate them as much as possible. Uh, Anthony Black, I think he is a good he's a good defender he is the same I think he's the same height as LaMelo he's a little bigger than LaMelo he's not afraid of the paint he can shoot he can play make he can do a lot of things my concern would be his off ball he plays a lot he's like the guard for the most part for Arkansas because even Nick Nick Smith Jr. he's more of a cutter uh well, he plays very well off the ball Anthony Black kind of needs the ball a little more even though he can play off ball so my concern is just I haven't seen enough of it. Not not concerned in his ability is kind of my thing. I just haven't seen enough of it to see how consistent it is. I've seen it. He can do it. I've watched him do it. It's just, is that his game or is that just him playing to his team? Because you want players to be comfortable, especially rookies. You don't want to morph them unless they don't have an identity. But if he has an identity, I don't see the whole point of changing. I could be wrong. I'm not a basketball coach. But for the most part, if the player has an identity – and you draft him knowing he doesn't the the identity of the team and the identity of the player don't match, then I I I think you're putting him at a disservice and your team at a disservice. But it's I mean, like I said, there's plenty of times where that's worked. But I don't know, it's just gotta be the perfect match. Uh I have all the faith in his skill. It's just th- does he play into that role? We'll see. Uh, next is Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. I mean, Jonel Davis maybe could be a second round pick now because he's just going crazy this tournament. But really for Tennessee, uh, that's where it matters. And that's Julian Phillips. Jonel Davis at Florida Atlantic. Like I said, he could put, he possibly could play himself in the second round, but most people will be here for Julian Phillips, who at one point was a first round pick. And I think he's kind of fallen down draft boards, more of a second rounder. I mean, he's just, he's a guy where you can take and then mold into what you want him to be. He doesn't quite have an identity, even though he has some skills. Um, he, he's a pretty good defender. Uh, he, he can run the break. He, uh, I mean, 
he can do a couple of things. He's like a pretty good rebounder. These are just he's a good player to have on the court. He's one of those guys. That's why I say he can be molded. It's not like he has this one talent that he's super good at. It's just he can be molded uh, because you see the skill set. It's just will it ever get there? I don't know. I mean, Tennessee is just a well-coached team. And sometimes when you have teams that are just so well-coached and they go to the NBA, they don't really know what to do because they don't have the coaching. So that's something that the Hornets would have to be weary of when drafting Julian Phillips. But I think Julian Phillips overall is a good player to have on the court. He makes hustle plays. He does a lot uh, for a team to win. He plays winning basketball. It's just does his skill set match the effort and not in a lot of ways. I think his 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 effort is one of his best things. Uh, next, the final game of tonight would be Gonzaga, UCLA. UCLA, I mean, you could look at Amari Bailey, but I think he should wait a year. Um, Jaime Jaquez is a guy who affects the game in so many ways, but does he really have a fit on this team as of right now? No. I mean, he can play make, he can rebound, he can shoot, he can score, he can do a little bit of everything. It's, and that's where it's going to be hard is because he does, he plays that such free game. What team is going to have a role for a guy to do that? I mean, a lot of teams do. I mean, we necessarily do. When you think about this lineup with Nola Melo, considering now uh, Kelly Oubre is in the starting lineup, you don't have a guy who just really can just get a bucket, who can just affect the game in so many ways that comes off the bench. Then Smith Jr., his thing's more defense. We don't really have a score uh, in this specific lineup. So maybe Jaime Highcats would be a good second-round pick for that purpose. I don't know, but let me know what you think uh, if we have like just room for that. Also, next, Gonzaga. I mean, Julian Strother, just extremely efficient guy. He has a good shot. He can shoot. He can. He's not the playmaker you want him to be or the defender you want him to be, but he can catch and shoot. He can play off ball. He can play with the ball. Uh, he can just do everything. Uh, so I think that, that would be a really good guy to have, especially considering he's a second-round pick right now. I mean, it obviously can go up. We've seen how, you know, this, and then you had a draft process. These players shoot up, but... I think Julian Charlotte would be a really good pickup for the Charlotte Hornets in the second round. Like I said, he does a little bit of everything efficiently at that. So I think that's the key thing about it. Let's move a little faster here. Um, Alabama, you know, is Brandon Miller. Noah Clowney as well. Uh, I think Noah Clowney is a really good guy uh, for just being in a dunker spot. I think he can protect the rim a little bit. But considering we have PJ, JT Thor, Kai Jones, Mark Williams, Nick Richards now for an extended period of time. Well, PJ, I'm hoping for an extended period of time. I just don't see it. There be no reason to put Noah Clowney there. And even if we don't keep PJ, Noah Clowney doesn't do what PJ does. And we lose PJ, we need someone to replace that. And Kai Jones and JT Thor are not there yet. So that's why I just really hope we bring back PJ. For Miami and Houston, I mean, Miami has a couple of good players like Isaiah Wong, but I don't foresee him really being on this team. I don't think the Hornets get him. I don't even know if he's going to be drafted. I mean, he's a good college player for sure. Like, excellent college player. Don't know if he'd quite make it to the NBA. Uh, at least traditional, like going through the draft and whatnot. Houston has a couple of players. The main one is Jairus Walker, but we'll talk about Marcus Asser really quick. Marcus Asser could be a really good guard. I mean, he, he's he's a just a electric guard to come off the bench and score, and we desperately need that, but he's a little bit of a shot, shot chugger, and we have that already. Not saying – and, I mean, it's hard to say that about college players because so many of them do that, and it just works for the team, so they continue to do it. 
I mean, they're overall they're a one seed anyway, so you can see that it works. It's just it's just it's tough to guard the shot checking and see what they do it in the NBA. But as of right now, I mean, we kind of need that. We don't have any scores off the bench, like I said in this particular lineup when Lamelo's out. We have Kelly Oubre afterward, but even then, it's just like, do you really want him to be your go to sixth man? And if so, for how long? So. And something you got to think about as well. But uh, next with Jairus Walker, his Marcus Sasser's teammate. I mean, he does. Eh, if we do not keep PJ and we fall from four to six, maybe I'm taking Jairus. Uh, I know earlier I mentioned Nick Smith Jr. and that range, and I'm not mad at it. Uh, but that's if if we if we have PJ or where they know they're going to keep PJ. Maybe Nick Smith Jr. in the six to eight range. But if we know that PJ is gone and, and we go to six to eight, maybe even five, I would take Jarris Walker. He just does everything. He's a great defender. He affect, Even when he's not scoring, that's not his thing is scoring. Uh, he can score. He has all the ability in the world to score, but that's not his thing. He just affects the game in so many ways, especially defensively. I just I love Jarris Walker. Um Princeton and Creighton. So Princeton has uh, Tucson. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's a good player. I can see him edging his way into the second into the second round. Um, he just has all the all the measurables you would want. He's he's lengthy. He's not quick, but he's tall. Uh, he has a. It seems like a decent wingspan. He affects the game on defense with his wingspan. He also knows how to get to the basket. Granted, Princeton plays like a really slow offense, so he's it's not. He doesn't do it the quickest. He is more the ball is kind of slowing down and he kind of just takes the guy off the dribble because he's quicker than the bigger guys who are trying to defend him. Creighton has a lot of people, uh, but it's, it's I mean, we can talk about uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner and we can talk about Brian Schneider. Is that his name? I think it's Schneider. He's a good three point shooter. I don't really know if he'll get drafted. I think Ryan Kalkbrenner has a better chance of getting drafted. Um, but I mean, they may also say, I mean, especially with the NIL money, if you see that the potential more is better, if you stay, he could stay. Same with Brian Schneider, I think. I don't even know if he's eligible, but two guys who really could have an impact on this NBA draft, um, who could who could find their way being drafted is Trey Alexander and um, was Arthur Kaluma. Arthur Kaluma, I think, was a first round pick. Until this season, he started just settling for threes. More and more people starting to see it, but he's a really good defender, and he's at his best when he's attacking the basket. So when he doesn't settle for threes, I think that he can show that he's a really good player. And he's another guy, if for whatever reason you're replacing P.J. and you don't have Jarris Walker, you can maybe throw in Arthur Kaluma. Not the same player. Jarris Walker is better to me, but still, I mean – Arthur Kaluma, I think he's a really talented player. It's just the settling for threes is what was killing me. Next is Trey Alexander or Creighton. He's a guard. I think he's an excellent guard. He he can score, man. He he can score, and he's just very creative with the ball. I mean, that's what and that's all you're looking for. He will probably be a second round pick along with Arthur Kaluma. I don't see Arthur Kaluma putting himself back in the first round, but. Tr- Trey Alexander could really be in the second round and be a guy who you're not expecting to really affect a team when he gets to the team, but he's a guy who really maybe one day he just randomly gets in and just goes crazy. And I'm not saying 40 points, but I'm just saying like has a really efficient game, like has like 15, six and five or something like that. That's the type of player uh, Trey Alexander can be. And I think we need that. We need more guards just because, uh, and it's tough because I really like Bryce McGowan's, but I'm just basing that off of he's not playing as much as he should be right now. And that's a, a question for another day. And in the last game we have to talk about, 
Texas actually has like a lot of guys like Tyrese Hunter, uh, Dylan Mitchell, who are guys like I may, maybe we could get drafted in the second round. Um, and Xavier has Kobe Jones, who will definitely get drafted in the first round. So we'll talk about Kobe Jones because he's the one more you'll hear in in the draft more than likely out of the other two. Kobe Jones does it all. I mean, he's a very efficient player. He doesn't shoot. He shoots well, but it's just obviously you want him to be a little higher. I mean, he can rebound. He can score. He can like, he can play mate. He literally does it all. And then on offense, if he's not scoring, it's okay because he's playmaking. Um, and if it, neither of that's working, he's playing pretty good defense. He can re- at least rebound at the bare minimum. Uh, so Kobe Jones is just an overall player you would like to have on your team, more in the wing position. So he really couldn't feel that PJ role that we continuously talk about. And that the reason we do that, and I feel like I've done that a lot, is that's just a very important role, especially for this team right now, the way our roster is constructed. So he would provide that, but from the wing position, and then you move on to Texas with Tyrese Hunter, who's just, I mean, he's a short guard, but he's an electric guard. He does a lot for his team. He's a good leader. And I think that's something that you're looking for as well. Um, I think, I think he could just be a really good player. Dylan Mitchell is Kai Jones. Basically, is he's just super athletic. Not, I don't think he's athletic as Kai Jones. I mean, he might be, but he, he's better at getting to the dunker spot, and he's more reluctant to do a lot of things that Kai Jones is more than willing to do. <laughs> but I think that he's going to be late, late second round. At first, at one point, he was like a top 10 pick, but he just his offensive game has so far to go. His defensive game isn't quite there. He just has the ability to make up for his mistakes. He has the quickness. He has the length. He has all that to make up for his mistakes when he does make himself. Um, I think Dylan Mitchell will be a right round pick, but it's very possible the Hornets could look at him just because he does provide so much defensive uh, promise. Um, and we're a team that desperately needs it. But anyway, that's probably the longest podcast episode I've done in 36 minutes. I have no idea. I've talked a lot. Um, thank you so much for watching. Thank you to Believe for having me on. Uh, like I said, follow me on Twitter at TrustBuzz so we can talk basketball, so we can talk Charlotte Hornets, so we can talk whatever you want to talk about. And, I mean, we're going to start eventually getting a show on a schedule. I kind of just do it as I do it. I do try to do two times a week, especially with the draft coming. Well, not the draft, but the tournament coming up, so you can see a lot of these players, especially considering Hornets are in their last nine-game stretch. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to gonna do these a little more often. Try to do at least two times a week. I'll try to get you a schedule. Maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays is what we're looking at. And then maybe hopefully Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Let me like if you reach out to me on Twitter, let me know. Uh let me know what you think or the best days to upload this. Like I said, I kinda wanna get on a consistent schedule. I mean, I you know I'm gonna bring content, but I kinda wanna get it more formatted. Also uh, make sure you leave a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether you listen to Spotify or Apple. Make sure you leave a five star review. It really helps me. It really helps the network. And then in in a way, it helps y'all by doing that. It's free. Just go ahead and do it. Let me know what you like about the show. Let me know what you don't like about the show so I can improve so that I can make you like the show. But anyway, this is Darian. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.